Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Lazy uh, Can't Even Talk of the Lazy Girls Guide to Podcasting. Do you know what it is? I ate. I know this sounds ridiculous. My husband just came home from work with a load of chocolates for like the you know Christmas period, and I ate about half of the box. And you know when you think that it's a good idea at the time, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you end up having a little bit of a sugar high and then a sugar crash. I'm kind of there at the moment, so oh, clearly I can't even say the title of my own podcast but we're here it's the lazy girl's guide to podcasting and it's great to be back for another episode and in this episode what i'm so so super excited about is that i am joined by matt from the life shift podcast this is the first interview that we've done on the lazy girl's guide to podcasting so matt welcome it's amazing to have you here well thank you no pressure at all no no pressure whatsoever (laughs) we're very chilled over here we're very chilled but i'm gonna hand over to you because i've already said to you we were chatting a bit before i'm rubbish at introducing people so i'm gonna hand over to you tell us who you are and what your amazing podcast is all about because i know because i follow you on twitter but tell our lovely audience well thank you for having me i have the Life Shift podcast. I created this podcast weirdly as a school assignment during uh, the lockdown here over in the States. And I got a, a second master's degree while I was bored out of my mind. And it was a project and we just had to do two episodes. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something that matters to me. And so the Life Shift podcast in, in a nutshell is candid conversations about the pivotal moments that have changed people's lives forever. So for me, it all stems personal. So I think a lot of people, I think we hear a lot that people like quit podcasting after like seven episodes or something. I don't think I can ever quit because my why is so strong. And I had my own life shift when I was a kid, my mom was killed in an accident. And so that like, that experience after that one moment changed everything gets me really curious to talk to my guests and really share these conversations and maybe ask them questions that they haven't been asked before, because I think we're trained to be so performative. So it's just been such a great journey. I've been able to record with 118 people now. So I know I love that something that started out with you only had to do a couple of episodes. And yeah, you put out on well, I keep calling it Twitter, it's X, but you put out on Twitter, just like last week that you've released like your 100th episode. That's so yeah. amazing to see something go from maybe I'll do this to this yeah. Well, it's almost like a life shift, isn't it? It, it? it, I never could have imagined this journey. You know, I feel like had I not taken that class, it definitely is a life shift, right? Like had I not signed up for that particular class, got these assignments, then had the, I guess, strength to go into these really, some of these conversations are really hard and really hard to hold the space for, but so worth it. And 10 years ago or five years ago, Matt would have been like, no way, you'll never have a podcast. This is not, this is not in the cards for you. I love that. In fact, I'll, I'll admit I was probably the same. In fact, I remember when podcasts first like came out and became a thing. I remember turning around to some friends and being like, podcasting, what's that? That's never (laughs) going to catch on. Clearly I'm not very good at predicting trends or anything or anything like that. But yeah, so a hundred episodes or 118 now, as you said, because you're, really super organized (laughs) which i love i love that all those amazing people who you've interviewed so what i'd love to dive into is how do you get guests all those guests for your show do you reach out to people do people reach out to you how does that how does that look for you i think it's a it was a journey for me at first because it was an assignment it was like well 
I don't know what I'm doing, first of all. So I don't know what to ask for. I don't really know how this will play out. I had really no, I don't know. I guess I had listened to podcasts, but I didn't know how I was going to do one, especially around something so, so deep. So my first, probably my first like 20, maybe first 18 episodes were people in my inner circle. They were people like I just went on social media and I was like, hey, I have this assignment that I have to do. I need to record two episodes. Does anyone out there want to want to get on there and, and chat about a moment, a very specific moment in your life that changed everything? And surprisingly, like a lot of people did, which was maybe why I kept going. Like maybe if one person, <laughs> if only one person offered, I might not be in this place. But so the first. I don't know, I think it's like 18, 20 people were people in my circle that I kind of knew their story. And so it was like, okay, well, I know they might want to talk about this. Do you want to talk about this? And what surprises me sometimes is I think I know their story. And then they come on and they go a lot deeper or they go in a different direction, which allows me to have the freedom to not feel structured. In a way, you know, there's a lot of podcasters out there that will ask, like, well, here are the questions that I'm going to talk about. Or or you get a pitch from someone. They're like, here are the 10 things I can talk about. And I'm just like, no, I really want it to be a candid conversation because if you say something and it sparks my curiosity, I want to go down that road. I don't want to go down the road that I think. So it was interesting talking to people that I knew because I thought I knew. I thought I knew their story or I thought I knew how it changed them. Uh, but th those first first few, I call it few now, I guess, because I'm over 100. But those first like 20 or so were people I knew, which was really cool to get to know them even better that way. Absolutely. And I love yeah. that you were saying as well that you started off with approaching people who were in your circle. We've talked about this on the podcast mm -hmm. before about how you've got access to so many potential guests in your circle. I love that you reached out to people first off. How did that look? Was it literally just... I'm starting a podcast. Please, can you be my friend and be on my podcast? Or how did that look? Yeah, I think what I benefit from is like, I know in a recent episode, you talked about like, you can find your area or your area of expertise, and you find the people that know those things like mine, mine are all human stories. And so my criteria is probably a little different than a lot mm -hmm. of people that are in, you know, they're doing a B2B podcast, and they're trying to sell some particular product or something, it's going to be a little different. It's a smaller market, mine can be anyone. And so I usually I'm pretty open on social media and I kind of lead with my own problems or situations. So, you know, leading into that conversation was like, you know, this happened to me, as you all know, because you're all my friends on social media and this is how it affected my life. And I'd love to talk to people if they have a very specific moment in their life that has changed everything. And then I was like, if you want to, here's a Google form. Maybe you can just give me some information. Tell me when you're available. And I didn't have any structure yet because I didn't know like Calendly and I didn't know all these other things that exist now. So I just had a simple form that was like, what's your name? What do you think you want to talk about? When are you available? And I had a bunch of people. I still have that form. And I'm like, wow, all these people volunteered to, to do something. And so I just got really fortunate in that case. And it was like more of like a closed Facebook rather than like Twitter or I'm not even going to call it X. It's just like <laughs> Facebook, people I knew. So nobody in public really saw that besides people that already knew my story. So I think they trusted me a little bit more in that case. 
I love that that you say you started with a Google form. There's nothing wrong with a Google form. I, I love still Google. use one. I love a good Google form. But also, I think it goes back to, you know, you don't need all of these, um, you know, subscriptions and expensive pieces of tech to get to get started. Like you said, you just need a Google form or Microsoft form, depending on what you prefer to use or whatever. Um, You know, type form. There's so many free ways that we can just get going. I think that's sometimes a big obstacle for people they think they need like this crazy setup and all these you know expensive subscriptions and as you said actually just reach out to the people that you know on facebook with with a form collect that information and get going i'd love to know do you get pitched now to for people to be on your podcast yeah i've been really fortunate i have not actively looked for a guest since october 2022 wow so i've been really fortunate in that sense it's a little overwhelming too uh you know like in between i guess i'm thinking maybe there was like a 3 month period when i started thinking okay i can talk to people i don't know i think i'm i think i got the hang of this i think that they they can trust me enough because it was easier with people i knew because i knew that they knew i was walking into it with like i don't know like a heart and i was i was there for the right things but then you have strangers and you're like okay stranger you want to trust me with your personal story and i can do anything with it and put it out there in the world to listen to so that was a little scary for me so that like in between period i went on linkedin and i thought okay i could i could probably create a space here where people could learn a little bit more about me and linkedin was very performative at the time it was very much like look how many sales i got or you know like whatever let me sell you my my product and the nice thing about my podcast was like oh well maybe if these people are on my podcast people would be interested because they've never heard that part of those people and so that's really where i started finding those those other guests and kind of pitching them the show or trying to like engage with them and saying like hey because it's hard you can't look at someone's resume to see if they have a life shift moment right like you can't like you know no one's putting on there that their parent died when they were four you know like that's not something so you kind of have to engage in a conversation first in order to even pitch someone from from the host side so that one's that's really challenging so i did get lucky eventually when it was just like people heard someone else on a show or they found the show and they liked how i approached the conversations and so i probably get i would say like i don't know 10 pitches a month or so wow not that's all amazing. of them are great. <laughs> well, I was that's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna ask next is how how many of them are not worth your time because that sounds really disrespectful. Yeah. But kind of like how many out of however many you get per month do you kind of go, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then do you ever get those ones? Because I get these ones all the time, the ones where it's like, Hey, have you ever met insert random name here? There and it goes on for like three paragraphs yeah. and you're like, Do you even listen to my podcast? Yeah. If you do you, do you get those or is that just me? Yeah, no, we all get those. <laughs> I think those are more common. Those mm. are more common. They're easier to weed out. I actually respond to them and because I want people to know that like I'm doing all this myself and I'm a human over here and I'm trying to help share stories. And like, if you're going to pitch and you want to be part of it and you want me to spend 10 plus hours, you know, through the life of, of our engagement, you know, spend some time like listen to it so i think a lot of those i would say that out of the 10 maybe like maybe like three are ones that i can work with every once in a while there's one that's just like oh yeah here's my form you do all the things 
sometimes I have to go back and forth because I think people are very traditional, like people that are going on podcasts now, I think there's more people that are thinking like, here's what I can teach your audience. My show doesn't really fit that mold. And so sometimes their pitches come in as like, this happened to them, but then they went on to do this and write a book. And then, and then it goes into more of that performative space where I want to dive back into like, how did that moment, what was that particular moment and how did it change you? So sometimes there's like three or four that I'll go back and forth and like, this person sounds really interesting. Thank you. Is there a specific moment that they can identify that they've also processed? Because <laughs> I've learned too that people think they're ready to share their personal story, but if they haven't really processed it or reflected on it or any of those pieces, it makes it a really hard conversation. So, you know, I learn these things as we go, but I would say there's mostly bad pitches. And then there are some that I can massage a little bit before I agree. And then there are some that are just like, thank you for listening. It's clear you understand. Here's the link. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. There's two, th a couple of things that I want to um, pick up on there. First mm -hmm. of all, I think it's a really, really key point that you've made about how when you're pitching to be on somebody's podcast, doing your homework is just so, so important. Like what, what is it that you can bring to that person's podcast, that person's audience? And the second thing that you said, which I'd never actually really thought of, was about people being ready to talk about whatever it is that they're going to talk about, because then it puts a lot of responsibility on on you because you're there to host, not to be an on-air therapist. <laughs> and I think, yeah. you know, even from the point of view that I'm thinking, even like B2B podcasts, there are ways where... You know, if you're unless you're going on a show where you know exactly these are the bits that we're going to talk about, this is the QA, how it's going to look. You never know where the direction is going to necessarily go. And I think that's really, really important for you to just be aware as the person being interviewed, the way that a conversation could go and make sure that you are happy or even just, you know, happy to turn around and say, actually, no, I just want to put a pin in that. I don't want to explore that area any any further i'm really interested how do you formulate those questions so off the cuff because as you said before you don't have a set q and a that you ask your um that you ask your interviewees you don't have necessarily a set well you've you've got a format but it's not kind of like you know an exact set format right. it's it's very much led by the conversation yeah. and i'm sure that there are a lot of listeners wondering well if you don't have a set q and a how do you just come up with those questions off the cuff. It's scary. It's scary. I intentionally, like I do all the podcasting things wrong. I think if we were to look by the book, right, I think probably some of the things that you've shared with your audience in, in your podcast is like, you know, make sure you're researching the guests, make sure you're doing this and this and this. My show doesn't fit that box for me. And so I like to know as little as possible about my guest. I like to at least understand what we're going to be talking about. Sometimes it's more of like an internal fire. They quit their job and they're going to go off here. Sometimes it's like a murder in their family. And I need to know headspace wise where I'm showing up, mm -hmm. right? So I can hold the space appropriately. One thing that I've really learned in this, this fulfilling journey, I will call it, is to really just listen as a human, as another person that is holding the space for someone that wants to share their story. So much of my life was very performative in like corporate. I would go into meetings 
wait for the next silence so that I could say something really profound and poignant and people not listening to anything else that's happening, right? I'm just trying to say my thing so I can sound great. And one thing that I learned here is that like, I got to let those go. If I think of a great question while my guest is speaking and they're telling their part of their story and I think of a great question, but then they keep going, I gave myself permission to forget that because I really want to listen and wherever the conversation goes. I think how I formulate the questions though to your exact question is really probably from my own curiosity. Growing up after my mom was, was killed in the accident, people around me didn't have the tools. I felt very alone. I didn't know what I was doing. I was failing and grieving in my opinion. I just, it took me decades to like really process that. And so I think a lot of the questions that I end up asking my guests come from my own personal experiences, curiosities, wondering if I was alone in that or if other people felt the same way. Turns out most of us, you know, as humans, we're trying to do the same thing here. And so a lot of the ways that we process these things are very similar. And so there is a nice validation selfishly for me. So like, it's like a healing journey for me, but also for the people telling their story. And then hopefully for the listeners kind of feeling like, oh, I'm not really alone in this experience, right? So yeah, my questions really just come from like wherever my mind goes. Now, before we start recording, I tell, I tell them, if I ask you a question and you're just like, no way, Matt, like that's too personal. That's, you know, I tell them, please just tell me no. And it'll be awkward for a couple of seconds and then we'll go back into it. So far, nobody's done that, which is, which is good. But I want them to know that like, just because I have the question doesn't mean you have to answer it. And I think sometimes people go on podcasts and they feel like they have to perform in some mm. way. And I don't want people to feel like there's a prescription that they have to follow through with, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I love that so much. And I guess as well, as you've gone through your journey of creating a hundred plus episodes, you've, you, you're going to pick up more on like social cues and figure out like how, yeah, you know, how conversations go and, and that, and that sort of thing. And, I just, I love that you were talking about listening as well, because I think so often as podcast hosts, we get into a bit of a mindset sometimes that it's our show. We have to do so much of the talking and you listen to these interviews sometimes, or I've listened to a few podcast interviews and you're there thinking, what was the point of this guest coming <laughs> on? Because they've barely said two words. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. No, no, you're right. I think the way I measure that is when I'm doing the editing and I notice that my track is like, you know, tiny and theirs is most of the edit. I'm like, okay, I, I think I served. I think I served it. But then you have the guests that don't stop talking. And so then, you know, we as you have to guide have it to, a bit. No, we got, like, when can I jump in? Because yes. for me, I don't want to interrupt their very personal experience. So I'm like, you know, can't you can't see that if you're listening to the audio, but I just... Kind of made no, but it's, it's it's so true. I remember interviewing, I say interviewing, but on my previous podcast, I interviewed somebody once and it was amazing. They basically interviewed themselves. Yes. I just sat there and then every time they got to the end of their point, they then posed a question and then answered it. And I was like, <laughs> my job's done. I don't need to, I don't need to be here at all. I got to make myself a cup of tea or something. That was brilliant. I was like, that is a skill to be able to in effectively interview yeah. yourself. So yeah. I'm going to ask you a very big question okay. now. My very big question is if anybody has not done a podcast interview before, as in interviewed somebody, or maybe they've done a couple of 
podcast interviews maybe they have interviewed people for their podcast and they felt maybe it didn't go so well or they weren't very comfortable what advice would you have for any podcast host wanting to interview somebody on their podcast uh be genuinely curious i think that is important i i think a lot of people will study so hard right they'll they'll prescribe like what they want to be said and the way they want the conversation to go but if you don't have that level of curiosity it's going to feel very flat and it's going to like they might go off on a tangent and you're like nope come back here to this particular question that you had it so if you can remain curious about it i think you're going to get more of those like nuggets of things that people don't always say on every show because you people are making the podcast circuit like they're going on the rounds they're they're saying the same thing i've listened to people on other podcasts and i noticed there's like something that they come in intentionally to, to say so if we can be curious as hosts and really go where our brain is going as long as you're staying in the theme of your show i think that's going to make it a lot more interesting and then to your earlier point just listen you know like listen to what they're saying and and don't assume so curiosity, listen, and don't assume. I love that so much. Those are like, I think that I might end up titling this podcast something, <laughs> something around those, those three. I'll think of an acronym yeah. or something. Before we sign off, I need to ask you, this has got nothing to do with podcast interviews at all. Please, can you tell us the story about that t-shirt that you're wearing? Because I know the oh, story yeah. behind this and I just think it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah. if you're not watching on YouTube and you are listening to the audio, Matt has got a t-shirt on, which has got like um you know five stars three of them are shaded in to demonstrate a three-star review and underneath it says it's just okay so please mm -hmm. can you tell us this story because i think it's a brilliant story yeah so as podcasters i think we get wrapped up in these reviews and the ratings and we're told when we're supposed to ask for them and and all this stuff so part of my journey was that and i was asking people and so one day i got a three-star review normally you I think people stop and they'll give you five-star reviews. They'll say something nice. Or if they really hate it, they're going to give you like a one-star review. The three-star reviews are confusing to me. I don't know why you would take the time to do it. But hey, uh, so I got a three-star review. And the title of it was, It's Just Okay. And basically, all the comments in it were like nice. They weren't mean. They just, it, they didn't think the show was for them. They said the audio sounded good. The conversation was interesting. But it's not a show that they would listen to which also was curious why they left the three-star review. So I was very upset about it because again, the show is so personal. It's so tied to my own personal experience and like trying to bring that and especially coming from the male perspective and bringing in this mental health talk and like being vulnerable and like being willing to be sad and cry and those things. It was like, oh no, it's just okay, which is almost worse than someone saying it sucked. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it was like... So I, I, I owned it and I made a t-shirt out of it. I think I have some stickers and magnets and it's just kind of a thing now where I very, very regularly wear it because it just, it's like a, I don't know, it's a symbol of me taking that ownership back of it. And maybe it just is okay for some people and that's okay. They're not, they're not the people that I'm trying to find. So yeah, I enjoy wearing it now. I just thought it was a brilliant, a brilliant story. I just, I, I, I know you've put it on Twitter a couple of times yeah. and 
earlier today actually I saw you put it up again and I'm just I just I love the story I think it's yeah. absolutely brilliant and I agree with you the three star reviews confuse me as well yeah. because I find that people are either like yeah this is amazing I love this podcast or like oh this was a complete waste of my time exactly. so it's the people who kind of sit in the middle and you're like well you still took the time to mm -hmm. review it so and it's not the easiest process on Apple to go through mm. that review process right like you have to scroll all the way down and then you gotta do this and then you gotta it's a lot of work exactly. to do a three star review but even even now I have like a Patreon and every time I hit five more people, I do a t-shirt giveaway. And I think every time now someone has chosen the it's it's just okay shirt. So now there's people walking out there. It barely even says like the, my show name on it because it's just like, I think it's fun. So people can go out to a restaurant and they'll they'll be wearing the it's just okay and we'll start a conversation. I love it. Absolutely mm -hmm. love it. Well, Matt, where can we find your podcast? Which platforms is it on? Or is it on every platform going? You know, it's everywhere. That's my gripe with it, with the industry. There's too many places for people to listen, which I guess is a good thing, but also like, where do you listen? Oh, here's the link. So I think the easiest is just go to www.thelifeshiftpodcast.com. And there's like, you can pick whatever one that you want to listen to. There's a website there. There's the videos there. So you can see our reactions when we either try not to cry or we just cry in these conversations. So that's always interesting as well. And then I hang out mostly on Twitter or X, if we're going to call it that. So now I still call it Twitter and I still call it <laughs> tweeting. In fact, it took me a while to realize that the tweet button has disappeared and it just yep. says post now. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, what are you doing to me, Elon it's Musk? Fine. But I'm going to get your show linked down in the show notes. And I Thank do you. encourage all of our lovely listeners to go and have a listen to that. Matt, thank you so much. I've had so much fun chatting with you today. And yeah, thank you so much for coming thank on the you. podcast. Thanks for having me.